Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Appreciate the invitation, as I said earlier. I invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 11. We're going to be talking about Great Commission partnerships this morning in Acts chapter 11, starting in the 19th verse. Before we do, I'm going to be talking for the next 30 minutes or so, and you're going to have to sit there and listen, so I want to give you an opportunity to talk right now, okay? Since we're talking about partnerships, I'm going to give you the first name and some key, some famous partnerships and see if you can fill in the blank, okay? First of all is Sunny End, all right, Laurel End, Simon End, you had to hesitate, right? Rogers End. Hammerstein, okay, some of you knew that one for sure. How how about this one, Starsky and, okay, that was your, strong on that one. Fred Astaire and, all right, Batman and, Rocky and, man, that's Bullwinkle for those of you who don't know. Okay, we'll even go back further, Abbott and Costello, all right, we're showing our age here, I think, today. And the last one I want to mention is the most famous partnership we're going to be talking about today is Barnabas and Saul, all right, or Paul. We're going to look at this. Uh, partnership that these men have, and basically a partnership that they had with the churches around them. So if you would, in honor of the reading of God's word, if you would stand to your feet as I read aloud from Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews alone. But there were some of them men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, or the Gentiles also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And after he left for Tarsus to look for Saul, and he left for Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he'd found him, he brought him to Antioch, and for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. If we would fast forward in the narrative to chapter 13 now, Luke takes us back now to what was going on in Antioch. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers. Barnabas, we just read about him, and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaen, and brought them up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. When they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them and they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they also had John as their helper. One last passage before we begin looking at chapter 13 in detail. It's from the Gospel of Matthew. Surely you know this, your pastor talks about this all the time. It is the Great Commission. The Bible says when Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
Therefore, make disciples, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray now that you would open our eyes, that we would see truth that you have for us today. Lord, my prayer as always is that the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Looking at chapter 13, I want to take this passage of Scripture and talk about Great Commission Partnerships. Pastor Steve already mentioned my role as the Director of Missions for the South Central Baptist area. He met with a group of us last, uh, about this time last year. We came up with a, a vision statement. I think last time I was here, I might have shared it with you. And this is what our, our fellowship of churches says about what we're called to do. And the pastors and leaders of these churches came up with this. We're a fellowship of churches led by the Holy Spirit, serving together to expand God's kingdom through encouraging one another, equipping church leaders, and establishing great commission partnerships, all for the glory of God. That's what we're about. These 50 churches that Pastor Steve mentioned, that is our vision statement. We are a fellowship of churches led by the Spirit, coming together to impact our communities with the Great Commission, which is what we read in Matthew chapter 18 there. In order for us to really be actively pursuing and fulfilling those Great Commission partnerships, I want to look at chapter 13 and then a little bit in chapter 11 and talk about five uh, characteristics, five things that we as the people of God, the churches in these associations need to be about. And the first one is this, we need to celebrate diversity in the church. Celebrate diversity in the church. Now, we could take a minute, we could look at each other, maybe in that Kayla time as you talked, you found out something about someone who's with you. We are very different people, but God has brought us together. But there is an incredible amount of diversity. Just looking in verse one there, as, as um, Luke describes in Antioch there, these people who came together, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, uh, and then uh, he mentions Saul here. Barnabas and Saul, different there, different backgrounds. Saul, that Jewish background, Barnabas from, from Cyprus. Uh, this town of Antioch was a diverse community. It was a melting pot. It would be like a major city today in our culture, like New York City. You had people there from all different backgrounds. There were Jews there. There were Arabs there. People from, from Persia, Romans, Greeks. Everyone came together in that town of Antioch with an incredible amount of diversity. So as Luke shares with us a little bit about the leadership of that church, we need to understand those leaders represented the diversity of their congregations that represented the diversity of that city. And they celebrated that diversity. They came together they worshiped, the Bible says, praying, ministering, fasting together. They were able to say, we are different, we are unique, but we come together with this incredible amount of diversity and reflects God's glory. I think about our diversity in our churches of the South Central Baptist area. Let me tell you, every church is different. Over the last 18 months, I've had the privilege to be in a bunch of these churches, and some of them are just like this. We have a band. We sing some contemporary worship songs. There's this incredible focus and incredible commitment to excellence in everything we do. Some churches I go in, they ask me to do the, the, the announcements, they ask me to sing the songs, they ask me to preach the sermon, and I usually get surprised with that when I walk in the door. No organization, just laid back, flexible, they're going to do whatever happens. We have folks who have incredibly gifted musicians like this, all the way down to maybe we have just a, maybe a bluegrass group that comes together. All different kinds of worship style in these churches, 50 plus churches in the South Central Baptist area. But here's the thing, when we talk about the Great Commission 
and when we talk about the kingdom, all of that diversity comes together for the glory of God. We need to celebrate that. I used to joke around in our church when I was pastoring there in Rockport that, that I would think it would be a much better uh, situation if everybody was a little more like me. And then my wife laughed out loud like she did right there. Uh, diversity is a good thing. You don't want everybody to be just like me. You don't want everybody to be just like you. We need to celebrate that. It takes all kinds, shapes, sizes, backgrounds, interests for the body of Christ to come together and be everything that God wanted it to be. Pastor Steve said, this is not a perfect church. I've been a part of all those kinds of churches. There are no perfect churches. I had one friend you say, if you find the perfect church, you're going to mess it up because when you join it, it's not going to be perfect anymore. We are different. We need to celebrate that to be involved in Great Commission partnerships. And that is what happens in this passage of Scripture when they come together with other churches. Number two, it's important that we develop relationships. I appreciate this church's emphasis, even back there in the, the green room, which isn't really green, by the way. Okay, I was back there. They talked about, we're here, what are we here for? One of the things they said is relationships. We need to develop relationships because God uses relationships to call people out, to send people out, and to encourage others to share the gospel. Look at this passage again. Just reading verse 1 there. At Antioch, the church was there. They, they came together. There were prophets, teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Monian. They came together. Saul was there. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, God's Holy Spirit spoke to them. There is an, an incredible, for me, as I think about the diversity of these men who represented the leadership of that church, they had to have some tight relationships for them to hear the voice of God speak to them. Within the church, these men knew each other. They were sensitive to the, and we'll talk about that in my next point, sensitive to the Holy Spirit's voice speaking to them. We have to, as, as the individuals within the body of Christ, you have to grow and develop in relationships with others in this church. Paul talks about it in Ephesians 4, about the relationships, relationships being the, the joints and marrow that, that holds everything together. The gospel moves through the church through relationships. It moves through the community through relationships, and we have to focus on developing those relationships. These men, in verse 1 there, in chapter 13 of Acts, knew each other well enough that they were able to affirm God's call to those men, Paul and Barnabas, when they sent them out. They knew those men. They just didn't say, let's take, a, let's take a vote in majority rules. They knew those men, and it was, it, was, it was because of those relationships they had. They were able to affirm the call of God. I think about relationships within the church, how important that is. This church will never be any stronger than the relationships of the people within the church. We can say it, we can have a mission statement, we can broadcast it to the ends of the earth, but until these relationships within the church are strong, you're not going to see the kingdom accomplished like it should be. Think about relationships with other churches. Boy, I thank God for churches like First Baptist of Grange who, who partner with other churches in our area to do Great Commission work. I, I'm thankful that we pray for other churches in the community, pray for other churches in our association. This, this is a, a picture of Great Commission work, seeing that we're not, the, we're not on an island. We're not the only ones in this thing. We are in this together, and it, it runs on the rails of relationship. I think about the Jerusalem church. If you know the story in the book of Acts, how, how God was at work in, in the, these Gentile churches and they were finally affirmed by the Jerusalem church and there was a famine and they, they ministered to one another through that. There was this cooperation, this connectedness. Even in chapter 11, as I read, 
the church at Ant, the, the work was taking place in Antioch, and the church at Jerusalem sends Barnabas, and he serves there. And then, and then he goes out and reaches out to Tarsus and gets Saul, and they minister there. Relationships were so important. I've seen my role, as I mentioned earlier, as Pastor C was interviewing me, uh, and I appreciate the surprise interview, man. I just, I love surprises. Just, I really do. I asked my wife after I sat down, how did I do? Because I was wondering, I never know what I'm going to say when somebody asks me like that. But in, in that time, we talked about relationships, and I thank God that, that I came into this, this role with this long job description, but basically, I told the guys who called me, I said, guys, I'm here to develop relationships, because I know that if you guys, the pastors, the church leaders, the staff members, don't know one another, you're not going to be as excited about doing ministry together if you don't know one another. So that's been my goal, to make sure that those relationships within the, within these, these, the groupings of churches are established and they're nurtured and they grow. Just like there in the book of Acts, the church at Jerusalem, the church at Antioch. I love it. There's a passage in Philippians chapter 1. I, I'm going to take time to go there and read this, all right? We're just going to take a little bit of, uh, just look at this approach. I think I'll start in verse 3 of Philippians chapter 1. Did, just to listen to Paul's heart as a pastor for the people relationally that he ministered with and to. I thank my God on all my remembrance of you. Paul writing to the church at Philippi. Always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for all of you. In view of your participation or partnership in the gospel from the first day till now, I'm confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will perfect it till the day of Christ Jesus. He says it is only, I love this, verse seven. It's only right for me to feel this way about you because I have you in my heart. That's a pastor's heart. I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. Folks, that is relationships. That is a leader expressing to the people of God who serve with, alongside him his heart for them. I've tried to express that to our, our leadership in the South Central Baptist area. That, that's my prayer. I thank my God for the relationship I have with leadership in this area because I get to serve alongside them. When I first came to this role of 18 or so months ago, uh, right at the beginning of COVID, it's a great time to start a new ministry, right? Right at the beginning of a pandemic. I, I told those guys, one of the guys called me and said, man, we're so glad you're here to lead us. And I thought for a minute, well, I, I guess technically as the director, I should be the leader. But I said, brother, I said, I'm here to serve. My role is to serve the churches. That, that's really what my responsibility is. And it, it's, it, relationships are essential in that. I love what one uh, writer said, a, a director of missions, my same role in Kansas. He said, without trusted relationships, there is no one to help us when we experience missional or theological drift. Here's what he was saying. If we as leaders of our churches don't have trusted relationships, we're going to be more uh, likely to go off the rails and go off on tangents and maybe not be as solid and consistent with the Bible as we should be. We're there to, for that accountability and encouragement. I love the story of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Uh, Spurgeon's one of my favorite uh, pastors of, the, of decades ago. And, and then uh, George Mueller is another I love to say. They, they were contemporaries in England. And uh, Spurgeon had a, an orphanage, and he was trying to raise money there in London for his orphanage. And he went over to Bristol and preached a, a series of messages over a week there and raised money for his orphans in London. Had a great response. People were saved. It was a good time. Went back with, with this, this, this offering to help his churches there in London of 300 pounds, which was a lot of money in that day. And when Spurgeon got done and went back to, to take that offering back to London, he just could not get out this 
this nagging on his heart that God was saying to him, I want you to take that money and give it to the folks in Bristol where you raised it. And he kind of dismissed that because you know how we do. The Lord told us to do something, so we did it. And finally, he said, he just, he just finally had to give in and say, okay, Lord, I'll do that. So he went back to Bristol. He found his friend, George Mueller, who, by the way, lived in Bristol and had orphanages in Bristol. And he put his hand, he found, he found Mueller kneeling in prayer, which is pretty much what that guy did all the time. He put his hand on George Mueller, and, and Mueller looked up and he said, George, I just want you to know, I raised this money here in Bristol. I was going to use it for my orphans in London, but God's spoken to me. I want to give it to you to use with your orphans here in Bristol. And this is what Mueller said. He said, he said in essence, I'll paraphrase, praise the Lord. I was just asking God to give us 300 pounds for our orphanages here in Bristol. Now listen, that's the way God works. God takes a pastor from one community and a pastor from another community and there's this relationship that these guys have and when God speaks, they just respond and they meet one another's needs. That's, that's the key to relationships. If we're gonna be great commission churches, the South Central Baptist area, which by the way is Gonzales Association and Gamble Association, we're gonna have to have strong relationships and part of my responsibility is to keep pushing us to develop those relationships. Number three, Celebrate diversity, develop relationships, and we need to respond when the Holy Spirit speaks. Respond when the Spirit speaks. I almost did this point a minute ago, but just love it when that happens. I get ahead of myself, have to rewind. Look at verse 2 now. We're ready for this. While they were ministering to the Lord, that's worshiping, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. Can I just highlight a couple of things? The Holy Spirit said, so they sent. That's pretty much what happened in those two verses. Here's some guys, some leadership in the church, worshiping together like we've been doing this morning, and God's prompting their heart, and their response is, we're going to do what God tells us to do. We're going to set aside Barnabas and Saul for the work to which they've been called. You know, genuine worship always leads to life change. It's not just about coming in here and singing some songs. It is about opening your heart to the Spirit of God and responding in obedience. I was thinking as I was just sitting there, uh, in, just engaged in worship and praying through, thinking about my time up here and, and, and just talking to the Lord, listening, thinking, you know what, I, I really don't even have to stand up today because you've already heard the gospel. You've heard it clearly. You've already, you've already spent time encountering the Lord through corporate prayer You've already been encouraged. All of those things are what we do. That's what worship is all about. You don't just sit there while somebody else does something. You're engaged, and I believe that is so important. And then you can respond when the Spirit speaks to you. Genuine worship always leads, I believe, to life change. They submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit there. If we're going to be Great Commission churches, coming together with other churches in our area, accomplishing the Great Commission accomplishing kingdom work. We as churches have to respond when the Spirit of God speaks to us. I'm here talking to churches today. I'm talking to followers of Christ. I'm talking to believers who know Christ and many of you who have, have said to Pastor Steve and this leadership team, we are on board with that vision. And I'm challenging you to continue in that. But maybe as Pastor Steve has already said, you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as personal Savior. That's the first response you need to make. Your first response to coming in this place today is to give your life to Christ. It's for you not to walk out those doors this morning the same way as you walked in, but for you to walk out transformed by the work of God. The Bible is so clear that all of us have sinned 
and we fall short of the glory of God. The Bible's so clear that sin has a penalty. The Bible says the, the wages of sin, the, 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 the price of my sin is death, spiritual death. But then the Bible goes on to say in Romans 5 that, that Christ paid that penalty. Isn't that good news? Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his love for me in this. While I was still a sinner, I'm paraphrasing and personalizing, Christ died for me. He died for you. He paid the price for your sin. And then in chapter 10, Paul writes in Romans, if we'll just confess and believe, invite him into our life, as the Gospel of John says in John chapter 1, as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's my prayer for you today. We can talk about associational work. We can talk about great commission partnerships. We can talk about coming together and all these things. But the most important thing for you today, if you don't know Christ, is you need to settle that. You need to respond to the prompting of the Spirit of God. What's that like, Kevin? Well, I don't know. I'll tell you what it was like for me. I just knew there was this tugging in my heart that I wasn't right with God and I needed to settle it. I'm not, I, I don't know what it is for every person, but for me, there was a sense in my heart that I know I'm a sinner and I better do business with God. That's what it was for me. I encourage you to do that. I remember I was at a crusade as a young man and had made a childhood commitment. Basically, I just walked an aisle and was baptized. It really wasn't a commitment. I did what everybody else was doing my age. As a teenager, I was convicted for my sin, and I, I responded at the end of a crusade, and I, I went in a counseling room with a college student, and I told him my story about how I, I thought I was a believer because I walked this aisle and was baptized. I, so here's what he asked me. He said, Kevin, has your life changed? Is there any difference in your life from the moment you said you prayed that prayer to today? And I said, no. See, genuine worship leads, for life, leads to life transformation. If you've never seen a change in your life, you might need to do a heart check. Have I really responded to the prompting of the Spirit of God in trusting Him as my Savior? Now for the church corporately. When God's Holy Spirit speaks to the church, it's important that the church is sensitive to that, hears and responds. I don't know what that means for First Baptist Church LaGrange. I know that there's some challenges in, in in ministry here in this community, I know that there's excitement about this new building and getting that debt paid off. Boy, all those things are all those things are so important for the kingdom. But not all churches listen to the prompting of the Spirit of God. I just this week was I, while I was going through preparing this message, this sermon, I thought about two churches, not in any of our associations, that this recently in the last month, both churches, one of them, I got a phone call, they've closed the door. We're done. We're through. We've given up. We're dead. Another church was dying, and a, and a sister church in the community called and said, we would love to come help you. We'll send some leadership to your church, and that handful of five or six people with a building of facilities that need to be filled with people, we'll come and we'll send some people and help you. And that church with a handful of people said no to that other church because 10 or 15 years before, they had something happen in relationships with that church and they didn't want to partner with them anymore. That church has locked the doors and they're closed. I want to tell you something, when you're dying and somebody comes in and says, we're here to help you with life support, I think that's the Holy Spirit saying, respond. Respond. I've got so many stories. I remember when I pastored that church in Rockport, I was there 26 years. We, only, we had only been there a few, maybe a year, and there was a a challenge to start a new mission in town. And this, we had a very small congregation. They weren't making enough money to pay me. 
a tight budget. You know how that goes with everybody. And there was a challenge from our association of churches. We're going to relaunch a Hispanic mission. Kevin, will you be in? And I said, I'm in, man. What is it going to take? They said, we need your church to give $100 a month to this mission. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot of money. But 25 years ago, this broke preacher and this broke congregation, $100 a month was a big deal. So I went back to our church, and we had a Wednesday night business meeting, and I just shared with the church. I said, I said guys, I'm your new pastor, uh, guys and ladies, and I really don't know what to say, but I just committed us. <laughs> if you would agree to $100 a month, we don't have it. And, of course, there's always somebody who says, where's the money going to come from? But most of the people in that room said, Pastor, we believe God will take care of that. We're in. Yes. That church responded to what I believe was the prompting of the Spirit. From that moment on, that church began to grow. We saw people come to know Christ. We saw finances improve because I think we just stepped out in faith and said, God's speaking. We're going to respond. I love the story I heard of a guest preacher. He was invited to preach and back in the days when you had chairs up on the stage. You all remember those days? The pastor walked in and he was a guest preacher and he sat up on the stage with the pastor and folks were just sitting out there like you are and Music's playing, it's kind of quiet, getting ready to start. He's not sure what's going to happen next. And somebody over here just stands up and says, yes, sits down. Kind of got his attention, okay. He's over, somebody over here, yes, they sat down. And, and he said it just went on for several minutes. Yes, yes, yes. And so he's wondering, what have I gotten into? So about, I don't know how many minutes, almost the whole congregation, somebody in there in every section had said, the pastor stepped up and this is what he said. He said, Lord, you've heard our answer. Now speak through your servant. You've heard our answer. What, what would happen if every person walked in this room every Sunday morning and your answer was, yes, Lord, before anybody stood up here? What would happen if you walked in those doors with an open heart and said, Lord, I don't know what you're going to say, what you're going to do, how you're going to speak, but whatever it is, my answer right now is yes. I believe there would be transformation I love that Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, responded, and the church responded in affirming their call. They responded when the Spirit spoke. We've got to be sensitive to that. I need to move on, don't I? Number four, if we're going to be Great Commission partners, we have to have a kingdom vision. A kingdom vision. That's a vision beyond these four walls, or however many walls we have, okay? Got a few over here, a few over there, a few over there. It's a vision beyond this plot where we are. It's a great commission, kingdom vision. One thing I loved about bringing together 20-something, it was 15 to 20, depending on the day, for the many days that we met to do our leadership vision planning. We had guys from every different background, every size church, Hispanic churches, bivocational guys, larger churches. They came together and in in essence, what they all said is, we're here about the kingdom. It's not about you guys over there and you guys over there. We're here about the kingdom. What can we do to help one another be kingdom-minded? Look at verse 2. Again, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Can I make a little sideline here that Barnabas and Saul were leaders in the church? Barnabas and Saul had been ministering to that church, the Bible says for about a year at least, and God calls them out and they say yes, and the congregation, the leadership says yes. They, they had a kingdom vision. 
what, what, for me, I just try to place myself there. Here is this incredible opportunity for these guys to move our church to the next level, whatever that is, and God says, I want to use them over here. Because it's not just about First Baptist Church Antioch. That's a joke, okay? It's not just about First Baptist Church Antioch. It's about the people who need to know the gospel, and they, Paul and uh, Paul and Barnabas saddle up and head to Cyprus right away, Seleucia, and they go, they go and spread the gospel there. It's a kingdom vision. This church had a kingdom vision. Basically, they said, we're, gonna, we're all in, and God, whatever you do, we're willing to send whoever needs to be sent. Kind of just walked through my New Testament recently and, and looked at regions and cities that were reached because Paul and Barnabas said yes, and because the church at Antioch said yes to the Spirit of God. Rome was reached, Galatia, Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, Pontus, the whole area of Asia. Um, Bithynia, you have this incredible move of the gospel because this church and these people said yes to God. That is a kingdom vision. Pastor Steve already mentioned we're part of the Southern Baptist Convention. We have 47,000 plus churches, 41 state conventions, 1,100 associations or so supporting international missionaries all over the world. We're, we're this group of churches that come together in this manifestation called the Southern Baptist Convention. And the goal is to accomplish the Great Commission. Accomplish the Great Commission. What does it mean to have a kingdom-minded vision? To take, think of all that that we're a part of. We, our churches, autonomous churches, which means we're self-supporting, self-governing, we, we churches decide to voluntarily cooperate together with 40,000 plus other churches for the kingdom. It's not about us. It's about the kingdom. When I was a kid, I, I don't man, you talk about learning something. They taught us this. JFK was president, and, and the saying, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Anybody remember that as a little kid? Well, that stuck with us. It stuck with me. I'll rephrase it. Ask not what other churches can do for us, but ask how we can be impacting other churches for the sake of the kingdom. That's a focus on others. Our Southern Baptist life has three expressions, the, the national entities that the convention gets together once a year and you have our agencies, then you, you have, a, that's like the 30,000 foot view, then you have our state conventions, that's the 10,000 foot view, and then you have the associations, and I believe the association of churches is the ground level. I believe to be a part of Baptist associations means that we are the, the tip of the spear, we're on, we're on the ground, we're right in the trenches. Here's a definition of a Baptist association. It is a self-governing fellowship of autonomous churches sharing a common faith and active on mission. I like that. This association of churches that you belong to because your church voluntarily said, we want to cooperate for kingdom purposes. We are a fellowship that comes together to share a common goal, and that is to reach our communities for Christ. George Bullard said this, at their very best, associations are the only entity that can with faithfulness, effectiveness, and innovation serve congregations every day, every week, every month, and every year. I thank God the more I'm in this role that I'm representing and serving churches where I can be there 24-7 for these guys and they're there for one another. Whether it's church starting, whether it's church revitalization, whether it's, whether it's mission trips that our associations have been a part of over the years. Listen, churches are the association. The association is not an entity that, that we send money to. By the way, thank God for you and churches like you that send financially to support this association of churches. But you are the association. 
It is made up of the churches. And as, as the leader of that, as the director of missions, I'm just there to serve the churches. Kingdom vision is what it's all about. I love that. It's not about one church. What I've, I, I can't tell you how many guys, and I have to be careful because I might watch this online, but how many guys have said, I don't do associations. I don't do that. And my response is, man, I'm sorry. You don't know what you're missing, brother, but I'm going I'm to keep, keep reaching out to you. But how many guys would say, I don't need other churches? I'm thinking, listen to yourself. You need other churches. You need other pastors. You need other people to come alongside you. I don't know any Lone Ranger that's been successful in ministry. In fact, I can name you a whole bunch of Lone Rangers who've crashed and burned in ministry. We are kingdom-minded people. We need one another. Recently got a call from a church in another association, not even part of our 50 churches. He said, man, I need to meet with you. And I thought, man, what's this about? And so we sit down and he shares with me that he knows about a church in our association, one of our associations that's struggling and they need somebody to help him preach. And he says, he says, Kevin, he said, I've got some guys in my church that would be willing to come over there and, and help that church. What do you think? What do you think I said? I said, amen, man, bring them on. Let's do this. Let's partner together. That's a kingdom vision. He's not just crossing lines to other communities. He's crossing associational lines because he wants to see the Great Commission fulfilled. And we're working right now to do that. I love that mindset. I love that, that, that attitude of this is all about the kingdom. I pastored, my first church I pastored was in a community that was transitioning, greatly transitioning. By the time I left there, a totally different community than it was 20 years before I got there. And this church, a large uh, First Baptist church in a county seat town that could seat this many people. What is this room seat right here? Anybody know? A couple hundred people? Something like that. It could seat at least 200 people, and there were like 10 people meeting in that building. This is like 15 years after I was there. The church had so declined, and people were dying, and no one was joining, and this church was dying. They had a school, they had a daycare, and they had a handful of people. And on the 100th anniversary of that church, I got to go back there and be a part of that celebration. That church took the keys to their building, to their school, to their daycare, and handed it to a Hispanic congregation in the community and said, here, you're reaching people we aren't. It's yours. No strings attached. Folks, that's a kingdom vision. That's a kingdom mindset. Just contrast that with the church where that handful of people said, we don't want to partner with anybody because we don't like those folks over there. Or something happened 20 years ago. Just look at the contrast with this church of, of folks who said, look, we're not reaching anybody. Let's let them do it because they are. Let's give them our facilities. That is a kingdom vision. We need to have that vision in our churches. And the last thing, I'm on number five. Is anybody following? Is it number five? It says it is. All right. Get involved in kingdom work. Just do it. Just be involved in Great Commission kingdom ministry. Be about that. Just walking through this passage of Scripture in chapter 11, I read about the Jerusalem church. We read about that sending Barnabas. And Barnabas goes there and ministers at Antioch. In verse 25, it says that, that he recruits in 26, he goes and he recruits Saul, and Saul goes to work with them there. And then I read about the Antioch church here. And they're doing the same thing the Jerusalem church did. They send out Barnabas and Saul. They're, they're involved in kingdom work. They're busy about doing that. And I read, walked my way through, and this was by no way an exhaustive uh, 
search, but I went through the New Testament and I just, I noticed that the church at Lystra had sent Timothy to help Paul on his second missionary journey. They were partnering together. They were involved in kingdom work. Paul asked Corinth to assist him and Timothy as they went to new places and that church got involved in the Gentile churches who gave to the Jerusalem offering. I mentioned offering. I mentioned that already over and over and I walked through the New Testament and saw Paul's testimony of how, and by the way, the book of Acts is all about partnerships. The book of Acts is all about kingdom work and kingdom ministry. And I saw these folks got involved in kingdom work. They just didn't talk about it. They just didn't write about it. They lived it. They lived it. And I thank God that there are churches like this who say we are all about the kingdom. We are all in when it comes to reaching our communities for Christ. We don't care who gets the glory. We want God to get the glory. We don't care who gets the credit on earth. If God gets the glory, we're in, right? That's the key. I thank God for this church and for Pastor Steve and his leadership and in our association of churches and his encouragement coming together with, with our, our leadership and challenging us. Coming together with other churches even recently to do a vision trip to the valley with the guys at Schulenburg and, and look at what the ministry needs were there. That's what it means to get involved in kingdom work. I, I know this. I can, I can pretty much guarantee that this pastor is going to continue to lead this church to do this kind of thing because that's his heartbeat. Where's your heart? What's your heartbeat? You know, churches make decisions based on the individual decisions of the people in the church. You ever say, is that a praying church? Well, let me just step back and ask, are the people in the church praying? That's what a praying church is. It's not a church with a prayer ministry. It's not a church who says they pray. It's a church where the individual people in the church pray. Is that church a mission-minded church? Well, let's look at the individuals in the church. Is that church a, a church that's sensitive and responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, let's look at the individuals within that church. I just want to go back and review our vision statement, this group of churches that have come together to call ourselves the South Central Baptist area. We are a fellowship of churches led by the Holy Spirit, serving together to expand God's kingdom through encouraging one another, one another equipping church leaders, and establishing great commission ministry partnerships, all for the glory of of God. We need each other. Churches need other churches. I'm going to close with a story. I'll invite our worship team to come up here that I think expresses this mindset before we conclude, this mindset of what it means to be kingdom-minded. There's a church in Atlanta, a small vineyard church. They got word that Andy Stanley was coming to town and planning a church. Word came that there was property near this small vineyard church and and Stanley's, the church Stanley pastored bought that property and they moved into the community and that church grew exponentially. It's one of the largest churches in our country right now. But as that huge church moved in and as they begin to grow, traffic jams happen in the neighborhood. There's no place for parking. Everything changed and there's this little bitty vineyard church getting swallowed up by this move. And one day Andy Stanley, Joe Stoll tells this story. Andy Stanley got a phone call from the pastor of that little church. And he hesitantly returned the phone call. He's probably thinking, okay, I'm going to get another sermon from another church that says, here you are stealing our sheep. So he answered, he returned the call. The pastor from the Vineyard Church said this, not what he expected to hear. He said, I want to thank God that your church is here because you are an answer to prayer. We've been praying that God would do something in this community, and he sent you. Praise God for your church. Folks, that's, that's kingdom-mindedness. That's a kingdom mindset. My prayer is that this church and other churches of our association would be that mindful of kingdom work. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that today, more than ever, people need you. I thank you for reminding me as I've walked through these familiar passages of Scripture again, how important it is for us as the people of God to be committed to the Great Commission. Lord, I thank you for reminding me again that you've given me this incredible opportunity to serve churches. Lord, my prayer is that this church would grow not only in the knowledge of grace, but Lord, in expanding the kingdom in this community. Thank you for the partnership that we have together. Lord, my prayer is that today this church would have a a renewed vision to be even more intentional about the kingdom with other churches serving together. God, my prayer also is that those who are here today without Christ as Savior would take this opportunity to open their heart to Christ, to confess that they're sinners in need of a Savior, and by faith that they would trust you right now, right here in this place today. I pray that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'd invite you to stand to your feet as the worship team leads us. Pastor Steve and I are going to be standing down here. If you have a commitment to make, if you need to trust Christ as Savior, come for prayer. Or maybe just say yes. 